Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. My name is Emma Mann. Thank you for tuning in. Please do rate, review, and subscribe. And on YouTube, like, give us a thumbs up, and also subscribe on that channel as well. Joining me today is absolutely no one. Yeah, I'm going solo here. And we're just going to talk about the Toronto Raptors, where they are, and kind of look at the, the positives that we've seen from this season. Because over the past couple games, you know, I'm seeing it on Twitter, a lot of negativity. A lot of negativity around this team, where they are, where they're going, the schemes, the future. And I think it's important that we take a step back and look at where we are as a franchise and the strides that have been made by particular players going into this season and also throughout this season, because there has been a lot. There is a lot of a lot of positivity around this franchise right now. It's just we are in a bit of a, a, a transition period that perhaps some people aren't really willing to admit to. I mean, Masai Ujiri said it from the get-go that this is a building year. There's going to be bumps. Well, we're in a bump. We're in a funk. This road trip has not gone according to plan. I'm not sure if some people felt like the Raptors had a really good chance against the Golden State Warriors. Myself, I did not. I didn't watch the game live. I was following, on the, I was following the score a little bit. I actually chose to watch Succession instead. It was a great episode. I highly recommend it. And then I watched the game the next day and it pretty much went about as I expected. And it's no different than the Utah game too. You have two teams who know exactly who they are exactly. They know exactly what they're trying to do possession by possession. Their role players know what their responsibilities are. Their star players are stars. Their team identity is solidified. They're all, they're firing all cylinders, right? They are in, you know, stage three, four of their plan when it comes to trying to win a, a championship. Toronto Raptors, they're in like stage two or something, right? Because you have some players already who have won championships and you know that they can get to that level, right? But the other players that they're bringing on, rookies, second-year players, an assorted amount of 22-year-olds, all players that are finding their way in the league still and that they, they have a lot to learn and they know they have a lot to learn. And so we, we can't, I guess, forget the, the bigger picture here and the perspective that is needed, which is, we are trying to build something great, and it's going to take a few years to get there. Because sometimes I think that 5-0 and stretch was kind of de- to their detriment in some ways. Obviously, in the grand scheme, I mean, they're 8-10. and 10, They don't go 5-0. and 0, Their record's a lot worse. Trying to get a, a playoff spot, six, top six spot, play in, all that, obviously. But once that happened, the expectation of the fan base changed just a little bit. And I, I'm guilty a little bit, too, right? I, I understand. I mean, the team goes 5-0. and 0. There was a couple of really gr- good wins in that. But... When you go on the road and you face some really good teams, and then you got to do it night in, night out, um, it's a bit of a different picture. And that's when you start understanding the the grind of an NBA season. And obviously the Raptors, like we haven't seen them healthy yet. And we're going to get into that in a a moment. But seeing this team fully healthy, like fully healthy, and then two weeks 
into that fully healthy stretch, which I think we're going to get um, at least some fully healthy very soon. And then we'll see if they can stay healthy for a few weeks. And then we can really start evaluating what this team is because they're just missing too many core pieces to what they're trying to do on the defensive end. Their defense is their identity. Anyway, let's get to the players. All right. Because as I said, all of them have made small strides in small areas of their games. And we should acknowledge those during this difficult stretch. So we know that they're getting better. It's just, it's a matter of the team getting a bit more cohesive, finding their way. And let's start at the head of the snake, Fred Van Bleet. Okay. Fred Van Bleet, he has probably exceeded every expectation that we could have had for him because he's been terrific. He's been our leader on the court, off the court, his leadership. He's taken on a bigger role in every which way now that Kyle Lowry is not here and he's embraced it and he's accepted it. It's, it's kind of in a harder role to, to solidify with, with yourself because, you know, individual skills, you can kind of control those a little bit more, but leadership, it takes like trial and error. You're dealing, dealing with people and you got to get them to trust your leadership. And we saw a great example of it in that Kings game, right? He was so vocal you know, the Raptors, like they had a great game. I mean, they beat the Sacramento Kings, Sacramento Kings. I mean, they just fired, they fired their coach game after. Um, so that kind of shows you where they were. But Freddie was so loud. He was so vocal. You could hear him hooting and hollering throughout the game. Um, and I think that's kind of something that he he took on that role of being that person in that game. They were coming off that Utah game, which wasn't great. And he wanted to uplift the spirits, right? The Raptors, again, they're still a very much a vibes team. And he said, all right. We're down bad a little bit, a little bit frustrated. We're on a road trip. A lot of guys are experiencing something like on the road that they haven't really done before, playing a lot of minutes, being away from home for like 18 days or whatever it is. Let's get the let's get the, the positivity up. Let's start really focusing on getting back to who we are. And that is a high energy, high octane offense in some ways, lots of transition. And let's just get to smiling. Let's be happy again. <laughs> you know, let's let's get back to doing that stuff. And um, I was happy that he did that. I was happy that he was doing more of that. Another example in that Utah game, Chris was on the, the bench and he was talking to Fred and they were kind of wor- working through something on the defensive end. Um, Chris was kind of motioning that some guys weren't doing their jobs. And Fred just looked at him. He's just like, yo, and he gave him the, the gab gab symbol. Talk, <laughs> talk on defense. And then that Sacramento game, which is the following game from that Utah one, man, they were loud. They were a loud team on the defensive end. They were talking nonstop. And I mean, the Warriors game, it is what it is. Like they're facing a team that is just, I mean, they're a championship contender. They're going to get Clay Thompson and James Wiseman back pretty soon. And that's a team that is poised to make a championship run. So I can't even compare them to the Toronto Raptors. Like you can't compare the Toronto Raptors to the Golden State Warriors. It's, but just with the leadership side of Fred, um, he has acknowledged that probably the hardest part of dealing with Kyle being gone is uh, the defensive end, right? Offense. I mean, they're a decent offensive team right now. They're not great, but they're okay. If you're middle of the pack, that's a, that's a fine offense, but defensively, I mean, he knows that the identity of this team is defense. And if they're not delivering on that end of the court, things are not going to go well. They're not going to be the same team that they should be. And that's an area where he really missed Kyle, right? Cause Kyle was the person who was in those rooms late at night, watching film and giving, getting scouting reports. He was the one calling out plays on the defensive end. Right. And now that had to be Fred. And so he's taken on that leadership role and uh, I'm sure it's been a bit of a transition for him, but he's doing his the best he can. And I don't think his defense obviously hasn't taken, <laughs> hasn't fallen off at all. He's still the best team defender on the team, possibly one of the best in the league. And uh, yeah, Fred's done a great job on the defensive end. And then on offense, 
this is where it gets really fun because he's a much more confident player on that end. You know, when the pick and roll, when it comes to their offense, he's manipulating screens better, which has been one of the things that he didn't really do too well earlier on in his career. That was one of the things that was kind of hard for him, especially, you know, you think about his chemistry with surge off the bench back in the day and they just didn't have it. He couldn't figure it out. But now um, he's making those the right passes. He's doing it nonstop. It's been really impressive to see. And don't you dare put a big on Fred Van Vliet, okay? Because I love seeing it. It's really funny. Keep on doing your drop coverages if you want. I mean, I'm looking at you, Washington, and who else was it? Uh, Utah and Philly. They didn't win all those games, but Freddie dropped, you know, 20 plus in all those games. That's because don't do a don't put a big on Fred Van Vliet because that's barbecue chicken. That's barbecue chicken nonstop. Um, and even other point guards too. Like when Freddie has to turn it on, he can do it. That's why he's 15th right now in fourth quarter scoring. And I mean, it's early on in the season. I get it, right? But that's that shows like his mentality is that he wants to get the team to a good spot over the course of the few quarters. And then when it's showtime, like he's ready to turn it on. He's got like deceptive quickness. He switches gears really, really fast. And uh, you, know, you got to love it. He's doing everything right. Everything right. And you can't ask for much more from him other than uh, the rest of his team kind of getting more of the defensive concepts and uh, kind of reaching his level when it comes to offensive IQ. And I think that's going to come in time. Let's move on to Pascal Siakam. Oh, what a polarizing character this man is. You got one group of people saying that he's terrible. Another group of people saying that you got to give him time. It's, uh, it's, well, I mean, first off, he does need time, right? But some of his shortcomings on the defensive end right now, it's, it's a bit uncharacteristic for him. It's not something he normally does. You know, the missing coverages, the kind of lackadaisical bits uh, in, in coverages and not really following through on uh, closeouts and not anticipating the way that we're used to him doing it. Uh, those are a bit puzzling, but I, I still want to give him more time to get accustomed to playing at, uh, I guess, game speed again and exerting himself on the defensive end. He's Again, he's still really early on to this process for him and he needs uh, energy for offense. Right. That's a, he's a big part of the offense, too. So pacing yourself in an NBA game is really key. And I want to give him the benefit of the doubt that, you know, that over a couple of seasons, we've seen him be one of the best team defenders in the NBA, one of the best ISO defenders in the NBA. So I imagine he'll get back to that point. But offensively, um, another area where he's a little bit polarizing. He had that really, really real stinker against Utah. And uh, overall, I think over the past two games, we've seen him get closer to who he's going to be. And that's one area where I, I do want to see him continue to uh, continue to grow in the mid-range game, right? Because in that Utah game, and especially in that Golden State game too, is that teams are going to find ways to keep him out of the paint. And that was one of my concerns with OG and Anobi out. And I expressed it on our previous, previous podcast that with OG out, like the floor is going to get kind of shrunk for, for Pascal and you're going to get, he's going to get extra attention. Like Draymond Green, geez, in that Warriors game. When he wasn't guarding Pascal, he was kind of doubling Pascal. Like you had Scotty and Ken Birch on the floor with them. And uh, those guys aren't three-point shooters, right? So pretty much you had the best help defender in the NBA helping on Pascal, right? And he had to make a lot of mid-range jumpers and he had a decent game. He got off to a slow start and that's okay. But that mid-range game, if he's able to solidify that area of his scoring, he can become a three-level scorer. And And if he does that, it really does diversify who he is as an offensive player because he already has like this stride length when he's driving to the bucket. Um, his post-up moves obviously are great and his three-point shot seems to have returned. So I think we're closer to Pascal being that 23, 24, 25 point per game score than um, maybe I, I, I'd originally thought. 
earlier on in the season. I wasn't sure if he was going to really be able to find that mid-range game, but obviously we have to give him that time and that leeway to show us that you know he can he can get there. And what's also really encouraging is just like his handle seems to be a little bit more, he's more confident in, in that part of his game and he's able to use it to orchestrate his mid-range game, which is, uh, again, it's a game changer for him because mid-range, if he's able to make that part, of uh, a go-to spot for him on the offensive end, I mean, who's going to stop him then? You know what I mean? Like, who's going to reach Pascal when he's doing, like, a step-back fadeaway um, from the mid-range area, around the, from around the nail? Like, no one's going to be able to stop that. He's too tall and he's too long. So I, I love seeing that, and I hope that um, he continues to to hone in on those skills and the mid-range continues to be a big part of what he tries to do on the offensive end. And I mean, I want to keep this, I want to keep this positive, but another part that I would like to see him kind of figure out is like his floater. Like it's kind of flat all the time. He doesn't get a lot of arc on it. And without any arc, like a lot of them just kind of rim out. And I mean, Scotty, he does a really good job of getting uh, some pop on it, you know, some arc on it. I'd like to see Pascal work on that a little bit. That'd be really cool. If he's able to figure that out. If not, it's okay. But um, we got to give Pascal a bit more time, but the early signs are that he's going to be back to that, uh, top 30 ish top 30 range as a player. And if he's back to there, it's great things for their offense. And then the defense is surely going to come. OG Ananobi, if you told me that he would be hitting step back threes and one legged shots at the beginning of the season, I mean, geez, like I probably wouldn't believe you. to be fair. Right, I did not think that that was going to be possible. He's very uh, quiet during the offseason. He doesn't really post a lot, so we had no idea what he was working on or how, how what kind of progress he was making. And uh, he came into the season. He had a huge opportunity with Pascal out, and he's really he really embraced it. And he was showing us the variety of ways that he's able to score. And, I mean, the ways that he's able to do it now, it's like there really isn't a spot that he can't score from because all great offensive players have, like, spots. You hear so many of the greats say like, Oh, I got to my spot and I made my shot. He's got so many spots on the court. Now he's very confident across all areas of, of, of the floor. And uh, it's um, one of the things that I didn't think that he's going to be able to get to, right? At least this quickly, you know, he's still early on in his NBA career, but he's here now. And honestly, like the step back threes are crazy. Like there was a shot he hit against, uh, against Portland and it was early on in the game and Norm was guarding him. He hit like, he was posting up Norm up and he hit this like, fade away one-legged shot and norm was just like oh oh that's happening now okay um interesting and i had the same reaction too norm because <laughs> i couldn't believe that he was able to do that i mean he hit a couple of similar shots earlier on the season but that shot was deep and he hit it so i mean nothing but good things to say about og so far and they're clearly missing him you talk about spacing on the floor and i mean the importance of it uh yeah OG's versatility on the offensive end and defensive end, being able to uh, guard multiple positions, being able to score from multiple spots on the court. It's all being missed at the moment. I mean, a great example actually is like OG, can, he can play the small five, right? He can play a small ball five and he has the, the, the strength to do it. And just last night, I don't know if you guys watched it, but uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. hit a game winner. Um, against the Utah Jazz. And the play breakdown was, you know, John Morant, he's driving to the bucket. Rudy Gobert helps. And John Morant found Jackson Jr. on the three-point line, and he hit the shot, right? And having someone like that at your disposal, at your disposal really does change how the defense has to guard you as a team. And it was another example in that Golden State game, right? There, the floor was so small. 
because the Raptors had Ken Birch and Scotty Barnes out there. And that's just not good for their offense. I mean, they're great players, obviously. We're going to talk about both of them in a second, but um, it doesn't exactly open the floor. And you look at what Golden State's doing. I mean, they got both their players like pretty much standing on the end lines on, you know, on the corners. And then you just have these high pick and rolls happening well before the three-point line because Steph has that kind of range. And like, there's just so much space at all times. And the Raptors, they can't mimic that because they don't have enough shooters because OG's out. And also, I mean, Utah's not here and we're going to talk about them in a minute too. They're both hopefully going to be returning for the Grizzlies game. If not that, it could be the one after that. But yeah, OG is very important because he can guard one through five. He is one of the only players. I mean, that term is kind of thrown around a lot, but he is truly one of the few players that can actually guard one through five. And so you're missing him quite a bit. He is, he's everything that we could hope for. And what a bargain that contract was. <laughs> I don't know how Masai did it, but I'll take it. But as he continues to, to hone his, his offensive game, I mean, his ability to knife into the lane and find open shooters, his head's always up, which is just tremendous awareness on his part. I mean, there's a few cases before Pascal returned where he's, you know, knifing into the lane and then he's finding he's kicking it out for, to open shooters. And the Raptors offense, it looked pretty good when he was driving because he was finding the open shooters and he's making the right place. So Having him back is going to be crucial, but uh, you got to be excited about OG is going to be this year and the years to come because he's going to be a force. No doubt about it. Let's move on to another player who's going to be a force, and that is Scotty Barnes, who's slumping a little bit at the moment. You know, I think that's fair to say that Scotty's having some trouble here and there with his game. And right now, he's actually, this is a good stat from uh, Joshua Howe. You can find him on Twitter. Uh, at Florida State last year, Scotty Barnes played a grand total of 595 minutes in 24 games. And uh, this season, through 15 games with Toronto, he's already locked 530 as a full-time starter. So I'm sure his legs are a little bit heavy <laughs> at the moment. He doesn't maybe have as much pop as he had earlier on the season. And uh, I mean, teams are figuring them out. And they're also figuring out Scotty that, you know, his limits within his range at the moment, the fact that he doesn't have too much confidence in his three-point shot. Um, his putbacks aren't nearly as available. And so this is going to be part of his NBA maturation, but overall, he's still one of the leading candidates at the moment for rookie of the year. You see those graphics go around and he's still up there and, uh, you just have to be so impressed by his, his passing ability. He picked up the pace on, uh, of the NBA a lot faster than I thought he would. He's still, you know, he has his games where he's turned the ball over quite a bit, but, the way he's able to pass the ball in transition and the reads he's able to make are extremely impressive. He's just, he's got this ability about him, man. Like it's a basketball IQ that you can't teach. It takes years for players to, to, to learn that and to be able to think at the speed of the NBA. And he's already able to do it. it took him a couple games, right? Uh, so he's wise beyond his years in that area. And, um, you know, his touch around the bucket is another area that's been really, really impressive. He's just got this knack for just getting the ball in the hoop. Granted, it helps that he's like, you know, that size, that stature. He does have the mismatch quite a bit down there, but there's a lot of bodies down, down in the paint and he's able to continue to finish, which is, it's been an, an impressive part of his game. I just talked about Pascal's inability at times to get the ball in the hoop because he does his lack of pop in his floaters. And, you know, Scotty kind of has that down to some degree, lots of room for, for growth, but Scotty's He's got an ability to, to focus in those situations and he's got a calm about him that is truly going to make him a special player and a special finisher in the NBA as he continues to figure out his game. 
Um, his three-point shot is still a bit of a struggle. And I think uh, that's one of the areas Nick Nurse has talked about, that he wants Scotty to hell. He wants him to shoot like, you know, four threes, right, in some situations. And I think Scotty, I mean, I'm sure he'd like to as well, but what makes Scotty unique is that he doesn't want to do things that aren't exactly going to help the offense. And he knows that if he takes four three-point shots, you know, percentages are that he's going to make one of them. But if he takes a step in and then he shoots, now he's a lot more comfortable and there's a higher percent chance that, that those balls are going to go in. And so he's, he's been lending towards doing those, but uh, against the Warriors, he took a few more threes and I'm sure those are going to come in time. And as Nick nurse also mentioned as well, that the quicker he's willing to take those shots, the quicker he's going to make them. So if we get there, you know, the Raptors are going to be able to extend their def- extend the floor a little bit, create more space for, for everyone. And that's going to be, very helpful for their offense. So I wanted to continue to see Scotty do that, man. It's really key that he gets that three-point shot going. But on the defensive end, um, obviously he struggled a little bit over the past little while. Teams are exposing his his lack of awareness at times on the on the defensive end. You know, he's not the best team defender at the moment. Things are kind of he's had a, heads on a swivel sometimes. He's not really sure where to go. Um, that's it's not just him. It's a few players on the Raptors. A lot of guys don't know exactly where to go. Um, there have been a lot of cases where you got you know, there's two guys closing up to the same shooter. And then there's one more, one more pass to the corner. All of a sudden, someone's got a wide open shot. It's part of the process with this, but it probably doesn't help that there's so many players learning this at the same time. And so it's making things a lot trickier for Scotty to pick up all these skills, but he's going to get there. I mean, you look at his face right now and it's, it's sad in a way because he's kind of losing his spirit. You know, he's a very vibrant guy and losing hurts him losing is not something he's used to but you you love that it's bothering him that much i'll say that you love how much this is affecting him because he's not used to losing to this degree and so that's going to make him figure this out even faster because he's motivated he doesn't want to be the reason why they're lacking on the defensive end or why they're not able to pull up play to their potential he wants to be the reason they're winning games and he was doing that earlier on the season um but, you know, teams, like I said, teams are figuring out who the Raptors are, who, what Scotty's efficiencies are, and they're going to expose them. It's the reality of the NBA, and he's going to continue to, to learn about that. But you got to love his ability to, yeah, his, just his charisma, man. He, he continues to play. He's going to keep on playing. He's going to keep on fighting. And that charisma that I mentioned and that uh, willingness to learn is going to be the reason why he figures this out a lot faster than maybe some other players would. So. Let's switch to Gary Trent Jr., right? And he's a player who has accepted his role within the Raptors. And maybe you've heard me on previous podcasts, but uh, role acceptance when it comes to winning is so crucial because if if everyone's not exactly clear on what their responsibilities are, it create it creates problems on both ends of the court. And Gary, you know, he didn't do this as much maybe last season because, I mean, the Raptors also didn't encourage it necessarily. He was an RFA. Nick had mentioned this, but that they didn't really have an exit interview because he was an RFA. So you don't really, you can't really tell a player, hey, we want you to do this off, this off season because you don't know if they're going to play for you next season. But when he did uh, meet Nick in, in Vegas after he re-signed with the Raptors, they uh, Nick said, this is what we want you to do. We want you to be a monster on defense. And we want you to improve your um, catch and shoot percentages. I think I've mentioned this before on the pod, but the fact that Gary was so willing to do that and that he's kind of succeeded expectations in both of those areas is really impressive. Like he's, he's such a good match for the Toronto Raptors. He wants to play an aggressive style of defense. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Raptors say, we, we want you to play an aggressive style of defense. It's what it's our identity is your identity. So let's, let's shake hands on this and let's go. And that's what, that's what's happened. And Gary's embraced that role. And I'm sure he's worked a little bit with Fred and OG about how to anticipate and read and read how some players are, you know, handling the ball and look at film and look at where players are kind of resting the ball and they're when they're in their triple threat position, like stuff like that. And uh, he's used that to his advantage. And then offensively, I mean, we saw what he's able to do last season and that uh, last 20 games or so after the Norm Powell trade that, Gary has some real pop in the in the half court. He's able to create in ways that not many Raptors can. Like his step back is absolutely beautiful. <laughs> it is truly something to behold. He's able to hit it from three, uh, mid range, wherever, and he can get it off from against anyone. Doesn't matter who it is. He's able to create that space, and it's uh, it's a decent shot for him. Now, his uh, his volume at sometimes can be a little bit uh, a little bit concerning. I mean, look at that Golden State Warriors game. He shot 316. But hey, before that, in the 10 games prior, he had shot like 46%. And, and he was making really smart decisions in that Warriors game. I mean, the Raptors are asking him to take on a bit more of an offensive role with OG out. But what he stopped doing in some ways was that he he wasn't kind of making the extra pass. He wasn't reading the defense in the same ways. And he wasn't being as much of a willing passer. And so there were a lot of cases where he was taking shots and they were tough contested shots but really i mean there was an open player in a corner or around the 45 or or on you know, top of the key or whatever it is like there's there were players available and he just wasn't making that decision but i'll live with some of those if this is part of the growing pains for him because you see so much upside in his scoring ability like straight up and his ability to for creating the half court like it's, it's a rare ability especially for the toronto raptors to be able to get your shot off wherever you are inside the three-point line and there's a decent sh- chance that it's going to go in and when he gets going it, it's it's an exciting thing to see because you you feel like every single shot's going to go in that's where i want him to get to is that i want to feel like every single catch and shoot shot he takes is going to go in it was like danny green right when he was with the raptors i mean not always because playoffs are a whole different thing but during the regular season anytime danny had that open three around, around the baseline um there was this anticipation around his shot because he just felt like it was going to go in and i want to get to that point with Gary Trent Jr. And um, I've had those moments a couple of times over these past like 10, 10 games or so, because he is such a prolific shooter and he's able to get buckets and bunches. 
And I, I imagine that he's going to get into a spot with, once they're healthy, that's going to be a little bit more comfortable for him. But I do want Nick to carve out time for him to be a dynamic score. And uh, there was a, I can't remember the game actually, but it was towards the end of a, a third quarter. And um, it was Gary and, and the bench for like, you know, five, six minutes. And Gary just cooked, man. He was just making things happen. And he was a shot maker. He was the threat. He was leading to um, offense for his teammates. Um, I like what he offers on the offensive end. I think it's really important the Raptors have it, that catch and shoot ability. And you have to be happy with what he's offered so far this season. So let's move on to some of the bigs. And we'll start with Ken Birch as advertised. Defensively, he does a great job of limiting the space of players when it comes to the pick and roll. You know, uh, tagging rollers and understanding how you to play those two-on-one situations when, you know, the point guard is trailing and now, you know, Kem is in a, in a spot where he has to guard the point guard and he has to guard the big. Uh, playing, in the, and playing those angles properly is a real skill and he's, go- he's very good at that. And that's one of the things that I just absolutely love about him is that he can be a force on the defensive end and not in all matchups, you know, in situations where <clears throat> maybe the, the big's a little bit smaller, he's a stretch five, um, he's got to play on the perimeter. Those are situations where you really want Kem to be exactly. But when it comes to just playing the center position, he is so fundamentally sound and he's going to win them games. But offensively, I mean, he's not really shooting threes like I, I was hoping that he would. Nick has encouraged him to shoot them. And, you know, he's not really, I guess, comfortable doing that pull, pick and pop thing. He obviously has his floater and he's pretty good at it. And I would love to see him just being willing, more willing to shoot threes because it's going to help the Raptors in the long run. But his floater is very nice. It's very pretty. He's got a nice two-man game with uh, Fred that I mentioned earlier. And another thing about Cam is that he makes really, really fast decisions. And when it comes to offense, I mean, we know with anything, right? Like, look at the Warriors offense we just saw. Everything is happening, like, quick, 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 very fast. And with Kem, he's a person who's going to help that ball keep on moving. He's going to look. He's going to see if he's got an opportunity. And then otherwise, he's going to get the ball moving. It's similar to, like, what Marcus All did, right? You got to keep that pace up with your offense because if you don't, you're allowing the, the, the defense to adjust. And in those short roll situations, um, I trust him a lot to at least promote ball movement or at least get a decent shot out of it. It would be great if he was able to, you know, be like absolutely a hundy on his floaters because I feel like teams are now more willing to give Kem that shot. Um, but it's okay. It's okay. You know, he has his role. He has his job. And also, I mean, as he outlined for us, I mean, it's, it's cool to hear a player say this, that he does not care about scoring. The man said this, he says, I don't care about scoring. I had to score last season because I was in a contract year, but now this season I get to be, go back to who I am as a player. And that is a person who just wants to win games. So if I get 20, you know, that's cool. But, uh, I just want to win games. That is so nice to hear from a, from a center. (laughs) Really? It is. It really, really is. Um, because you think about all the centers in the NBA, or at least the bigs that we've seen (coughs) over time where they get kind of pouty about not getting the ball because obviously when they're playing in the post, they don't, uh, they need the ball given to them. And Kems is not that guy. He's going to just keep his head down. He's going to get his lunch pail and he's going to go in there and he's going to do his best. And uh, that's why the Raptors want him. He's a great player for the culture. And that's why they brought him back. So, so Kem has done his job. And um, as the Raptors figure out their chemistry on the defensive end, I think he's going to be even more of a monster. 
All right, let's move to Precious Achua. All right, the guy who is showing Miami that, man, I had more. I had more to give, and you guys didn't want it, but the Raptors did, and that's why they got me in that Kyle Lowry sign-in trade, and now here I am. He has shown us that he has a lot more to his game at his young age of 22 years old, and you have to be excited about what, what is the future, what the future is for, for him. I mean, you look at his ability to run the floor and rebound, play with physicality. Like the Raptors missed his physicality a lot when he was out. It's kind of an unheralded part of, of defense, but you got to be able to throw the first punch sometimes. You got to be able to let the team feel you and let them know that this is going to be kind of a rough night or that we're going to compete and we're going to make you deal with us. And he does a great job of that, man. It's it's a, it's an ability that you you don't really see in the stat sheets, but you you kind of feel it on the court and Precious makes sure that the other team knows that this is this is who I am. This is where it's going to happen. And you're going to wake up and you're going to feel my wrath, right? It's nice to have players who can do that, especially at his skill set, because he is uh, he's a person who's, who has a lot of skill. Like, I mean, right now, his three-point shot is still in the works. He's got, I think he's shooting 24% from three at the moment. A little bit more shot discipline at times. Tends to be a little bit of a, little bit chucker sometimes that's okay though that's okay it's okay right this is part of his his growth as a player but you really got to love his his willingness to leverage his speed like he is pedaled to the metal as soon as he steps on the floor and he's beating the other team down the floor in a lot of cases and he's able to get himself some transition layups and those are easy buckets for the raptors they want to play in transition and and precious kind of helps that get going and the Raptors need that because, you know, as we've seen, the, 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 the half-court offense is going to labor at times. You know, I, I imagine they're going to probably even out at around, you know, between 10 and 15, 10 to 15 uh, range when it's all said and done. And so having some more transition buckets and in those turnover situations, especially in the pick and roll, having a big who's going to run past people is very beneficial. So he's been terrific. And um, when it comes to, you know, getting better on the defensive end, it's it's great to hear that he's trying to use Kem. It's a sign of his humbleness that he's willing to go to another big and say, hey, man, like I need, I could use some help with this because I'm struggling with it. Again, 22 years old, hasn't been playing professionally very long. This is a sophomore season. And it's also humble on Kem's part to say, I got you. Let's work through this. Let's look at some coverages. Let's look at some film together and we can I can help you out. And when you think about the future of the NBA, you got to think that Precious, his ability to run the floor and block shots and uh, play with physicality and hit threes, it's exactly what you want. Like This is what you want from your, your, your center. As he improves these skills and becomes more steady in all of them, a little bit more consistent, he's going to be a monster, man. He's going to be so good for so long. And that's why you have to think, like you have to be so excited about all what all these 22 year olds are going to be offering the Toronto Raptors. And speaking of 22 year olds, let's uh, talk about Delano Banton. Holy man. Right. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Holy. Tell me, where do you think Delano would have been drafted? Had he had this shooting ability on, you know, leading up to the draft. That's something that we have to think about because I am almost certain it wouldn't have been 46th. He would have been a lot higher in the draft. I don't know how high, but a point guard at his size who can shoot the ball and pass and score and rebound and defend. It's, it's a rare combination of skills, and uh, the Raptors really got something with him. 
Um, it has not been that long, but you look at what he's done already in NBA games, mind you. He's hitting pull-ups. He's hitting step-backs. He's hitting uh, jumpers off pick-and-rolls. Like, these are situations where like, many are a little bit uncomfortable with shooting the ball. I've talked about Scotty already, but Delano, like, he's doing these already, and he's got such a confidence in his abilities, and that's one of the reasons why he's here now why the Raptors were willing to draft him and take a, a chance on him because he's got so many raw skills. And then you come, you combine that with his confidence in himself and his work ethic, obviously, because that's how he's been able to improve his jumper so quickly over just a few months with the Raptors. And you got something really special. And then I love to, I love seeing him go down to the G league and just cook people one game, 30 points, nine assists, seven rebounds. I mean, the Raps got a homestand coming up. They're going to be in Toronto a lot in December. And I want to see him play all kinds of games down in the G League. You know, he's, his minutes with the Raptors are going to be up and down, as of course, as, as they get a little bit healthier. And uh, these are great opportunities for him just to go down there, score 30 points, nine assists, and seven rebounds. Go for 40. Go for 15 assists. Go for 15 rebounds. I don't care, man. Just keep on playing. This is going to make him such a stronger player and more confident in his in his shortcomings. And, you know, we have discussed already that his jumper has made strides, but there's certainly room to grow. And getting himself in game situations at, uh, at different levels is going to help him work up his confidence to continue to strive for more. And as we know, Paramount Fine Food Center, they love Delano down there. Don't get me wrong. Let's not get that twisted. They love Delano Banton over there in Saga. Go, go down there and have fun right? Go down there and, and give people a show and show the Raptors that you 100% are A, deserving of being in the NBA, and B, show every team that passed on you. Remind them again and again and again that you passed on me and you've done messed up. I'm not going to swear. I mean, and defensively, like he needs a bit of work. I mean, a lot of players on the Raptors need to work when it comes to team defense. It's been well acknowledged. I've talked about it many times. Everyone's talked about it. But he's a problem to deal with in the one-on-one -on -one situations. Ask any player that's been guarded by him. He gets into people, and his, his length is a real problem. And, I mean, every team wants a point guard at his size. I'll put it that way. Every team wants that. And he's got the abilities on the defensive end to give anyone a problem. So I want to see him continue to, to hone that ability and continue to, be, continue to just be like that energy, energy guy off the bench. Because Raptors need that, just like they need Precious to provide energy anytime he's on the floor. They need Delano to come in, be a spark plug, and just be a problem for the other team. And let the te every team should know that as soon as Delano Banton's coming in the game, that they better buckle up because the pace is about to get rampant. Going to go real quick on some of the other players. Svi, I love Svi. He's like a Swiss Army knife. He can do kind of everything on the offensive end, uh, shooting, driving, uh, pick and roll actions. Uh, passing, whatever he can run the floor. Like he can do all of these things. And uh, I mean, his shots pretty as hell too. And uh, he was a great find for the Toronto Raptors. Uh, many people could put a limit on who he could be as a player, but uh, not the Toronto Raptors, not himself. I would love to see him continue to get around 10, 15 minutes a game, especially when, when they're healthy, because you just need those, those, those kind of multi-tool players coming off your bench. Um, Having guys who can do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but not everything is a problem. And defensively, I'm sure things are going to pick up for him. Chris Boucher, he's kind of finding himself still 10 plus points in three of his last five games. So he's yeah, still figuring a few things out. Um, I still do prefer to see him at the center position. He struggled a little bit at being power forward. And um, 
understanding, uh, you know, reads and understanding angles and um, where to help, when to help. But then, you know, like, heck, the, the whole team is figuring that out at the moment. <laughs> so, yeah, he's still kind of managing that. Malachi Flynn, not getting a lot of minutes right now. And I feel bad for him, man, because he, he should be. Like, it's, this isn't about necessarily his abilities or inabilities this is about delano banton pretty much just like taking the minutes and running with it because he's been so impressive and so where do you find minutes for malachi i'm not i'm not really sure and every minute that every game that goes by where he just gets like two minutes or something like that and that's all there really is room for um it's 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 concerning but i hope with the raptors you know if they're able to find like a bench lineup that kind of is a bit more stable that's a bit more consistent that could very well include you know, Malachi, and it could be, you know, Malachi and Delano and Svi and a big and whoever, like if they're able to get a lineup that kind of works for them, then maybe that's a way that Malachi could get a few minutes. But at the moment, I don't know, man, it's going to be hard to find a spot where you can really give him some, some time. Is the G league an option? Do you consider that? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure if that's something you really, that, that really is going to benefit Malachi. It's not the same as kind of Delano like Malachi did a lot of that last season he really is just a person who needs minutes that's it just needs minutes and I'm not sure where they're going to come from blowouts I suppose on either end a Raptor blowout or the Raptors on the receiving end of a blowout I don't know man um I guess I wanted to be more positive about him but he is a great player he's a great player there just really isn't a spot for him to get steady minutes at this time I don't know it's uh it is kind of what it is I feel for him Shifting to Utah, and what's interesting about Utah is that his value has increased, and he hasn't even played a regular season game yet. But if anything, that from what we've seen over the past few weeks of the Raptors, you know, all the cases where they're, you know, they're the leaky defense, and they're not, you know, the rebounding issues, and they're not picking up guys in transition. Utah does all of that, and he does it at a high, high level. So this is why the Raptors wanted to bring him back. This is why they brought him back. Is that he is so fundamentally sound. And he's going to be someone who's going to demand a lot of minutes. And there are some players who are just not going to get a lot of minutes because Utah is coming in. He's coming in hot. So I'm excited to see him back, get back on the court. All right. So closing up the podcast now, I would say the same words that Vince Carter said, and that is patience is a virtue. I hate when Vince said it because he said it <laughs> alluding to an impending trade out of Toronto. Um, but I'm saying it now in a more positive light because patience is a virtue when it comes to what the Raptors are going to be this season. I think there's a lot of room for growth and we just got to see them healthy, man. Like they're just doing so many things that aren't characteristic of what this team's going to be. Like the lapses in transition, they're not picking up guys. It's just so much leaky coverage across the board. And I just don't think that's going to be how the Raptors are going to play for the rest of the season. And then when it comes down to it, you know, if you have some issues with the Raptors defense, um, it's completely fair. And I'm sure at some point, once Nick Nurse gets a decent sample size of who this team is and the t- players that they have and how the coverages are going, he's going to make some you know, judgment call on, on his end. But if this team is going to be successful this year, and that would mean like you know a top six position or somewhere in that play-in conversation, they're going to need their defense to step up. That is their identity. That is who they are. They're a defensive first, a defense first team. <sighs> and let's give them a shot. Let's give them a shot to figure this out. That is the podcast. That was a lot to take in, but I hope that this um, kind of gave you something to, to smile about because there is a lot to like about the Raptors from a player-by-player basis. And as they get healthy, as they get better at their coverages, as they 
figure out who their what their identity is. I think we're going to be really excited at what this team's going to be. And I think that's going to happen this season. It's not going to happen in a few years. It's going to happen now. So thank you for listening. Again, please do rate, review, and subscribe. You can find me on Twitter at Amit underscore man. We'll talk to you soon. 